When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Score North. Download Declan Goff in for Jonathan Harrison this afternoon. Listen and win the free Score North app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Top Golf. With prizes also available for Amazon.com and more. Register your app. Listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner over at ScoreNorth.com. Matthew Collard had five takeaways from Mike Zimmer's end of the year press conference, which happened at TCO today on the heels of the Vikings being bounced. From the playoffs, ending their season against the 40 San Francisco 49ers, who are moving on to the NFC Championship game to host the Green Bay Packers. Now back to Purple Daily with Matthew Collar and our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels. Thank you, Declan. All right, so we've been going through Mike Zimmer's press conference, playing some of the clips and then reacting to them, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But uh, Sage... You played for Kevin Stefanski in some capacity when he was on the staff in uh, 2009 here with the Minnesota Vikings. You have remained close with Kevin Stefanski, and you uh, worked with him with your QB collective. It's It has to be a nice moment for you to see a coach that you worked with rise through the ranks to now be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Well, all of these coaches, uh, you know, this, this sort of QB collective group I'm in and this, this L.A. camp that we do, we had 12 coaches at last year, uh, you know, including Matt LaFleur and, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan and Sean McVay. Kyle had come the year before. I threw my first camp last year. It was myself, Brooks Bollinger, uh, and then Kevin Stefanski and, and Clint Kubiak were there, and then a couple guys that are sort of high school train, you know, throwing instructors and stuff around the country flew in. It was, it was a great camp. But, you know, when I first met Kevin in 2009, I just signed with the Vikings, got traded up here, and he was in his first year as quality control. Uh, before I'd gotten here, he was pretty much br- uh, some sort of, you know, head coach's assistant and I think he had a various array of jobs of you know making schedules and changes and uh, you know dealing with different things with Brad and you know whatever it might have been he wasn't really coaching he was just sort of the head coach's assistant I guess not a secretary but sort of a, a an, an assistant and then from that <clears throat> job doing that for a year or two he worked his way uh, into the quality control world and and did various things in quality control, and they're doing all the, the the toughest work for the for the coaches. You know, there's only so much film that they can break down, and 
and uh, and obviously putting all these playbooks together and and scout team and the cards for the scout team to draw plays that the other team are running offense and defense and there's just a ton of stuff they do and they probably put in more hours than anybody it is sort of the um you're you're living in a in a, in a you know a den with in a cubicle with uh uh, you know, hours and hours of film and late nights and early mornings and, and not much pay. Uh, and he worked his way up from there, I, I think, to running backs coach or tight ends coach. I believe it was running backs coach. Um, and I think then it was tight, tight ends, ends, then running backs. Tight ends, then running yeah. backs. Because when and I got flooded. here in 16, he was running backs. Okay, and, and worked his way to quarterbacks coach and then obviously offensive coordinator. So, um, and, and through all that, from Brad Childers and Daryl Bevel, uh, to you know, different offenses coming in, different coordinators coming in, different head coaches coming in, in and out. Uh, this this franchise thought enough of him. He made enough enough an impression in those early years that they sort of refused to let him go, and they kept giving him better jobs and sort of slowly moving up the chain uh, till where finally he was an offensive coordinator and then now a head coach of of, of another team. Uh, you know they couldn't they couldn't keep him uh, from going to another team, but they could you know try to keep him from from taking another job, you know, a, a sideways move or something like that. So I'm very, very happy for him. Uh, I've always uh, enjoyed, I always enjoyed work with him, always enjoyed talking to him. Um, he's not a, a coach that is a yeller and a screamer. He's very pragmatic. He's very common sense. I think that's why, you know, sometimes the smartest people are the most common sense also. Uh, and I think, you know, Kevin's that way. He seems to get along with every person uh, in the building, whether it's coaches or players that he's ever been around. I've never heard anybody ever say anything bad about him. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does the head coach. You know, Matt LaFleur, I thought, was the Packers head coach. Similar. Not a big rah-rah guy. Not a, you know, Mike Tomlin. He walks in the room and you just sort of takes over the room with his grand presence. <laughs> you know, some coaches sort of have that. To Bill Parcells and shoot, Belichick probably has, even though he doesn't, he's not a big rah-rah guy, he has this sort of stoic ability about him to sort of command a room. Um, you know, Kevin, I think, uh, he, he sort of he earns respect for players by the, how he treats people and by how he knows the details of football. And, and I think he did a really, really good job this past year with it really is true his first year as an offensive coordinator, I thought he brought out the, the best in Kirk Cousins and, and a lot of other players. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's when, that's the reason he got this, this opportunity. And he's going to have, um, you know, his, his hands full in that franchise. I mean, no one's won there for ever. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't, I don't, when was the last time they were in the playoffs? Was it like Butch Davis era? Uh, yeah, or? I think that was the, uh, the Kelly Holcomb game where they blew it to the Pittsburgh Steelers was the he last time like, that they were in the playoffs. Yeah. He, threw for like, he threw for like 400 yards yes. in the snow or yep. something. And that was you know early 2000s, I believe, 2002 Yeah, they had something. a Derek Anderson 10-6 and six season mixed in there, but they yeah, didn't make the playoffs. So, but you know, one of the more passionate franchises historic franchises mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um, um but you know they just haven't had success so uh they have a you know a sort of a wild card at quarterback a guy who's very talented he's got a heck of an arm in some ways reminds you of Favre, in some ways reminds you of johnny manzel i mean he's if he can he's sort of in between sometimes and so they got odell beckham at wide receiver i, I love their running backs you know what what, what he does what, what he does with chubb um, and Kareem Hunt from Kansas City, what he does with those two guys if they're both the running backs next year. I mean, I imagine you know what he did with Dalvin Cook was 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 phenomenal this year, and um, so you know he's got his hands full, and I wish him best of the luck. And I'm glad the Vikings don't have to play him 
every year because I, th- I bet his teams are, are well coached and disciplined and, and play quality football. I was thinking about how funny life is because uh, at the Combine after the 2017 season, we asked Mike Zimmer, uh, hey, so why aren't you letting Kevin Stefanski go interview for the offensive coordinator job in New York with Pat Shermer? And Zimmer went on a big rant about loyalty and all these things and how you know he, he didn't fire Stefanski when he got here. And it was sort of like stunning to hear and I'm sure that Kevin was upset after that, that he could, he was probably crushed that he couldn't go be an offensive coordinator with his buddy Pat Shermer and everything else. If he had gone there, he'd be looking for a job today because that's a terrible situation with a team that was fading with an older quarterback, and then they draft a running back, as you do when you're trying to re- rebuild an organization. And he ends up staying here, being patient through the Filippo nonsense, another guy who got uh, fired today, by the way, again. And and he eventually has it work out for him. And as you mentioned, Cousins has the best year of his career, which is probably what they're hoping for in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. I think Cousins is a little more mature than Baker Mayfield, so that's going to be a tough task to get him to maybe stop tweeting and fighting people on Twitter and maybe just focus on being the, yeah. the front face of an NFL organization. I don't I don't think it's an easy task, but the talent is there and is I think if he brings a more mature and disciplined approach that those guys might want that instead of having a guy like Freddie who seemed to want to be their buddy. I got a feeling that when Kevin Stefanski was 16 years old, he was an adult. Like a legit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in Freddie Kitchens, yeah. is still 15 years old, not an adult or something. Yeah, uh, He's going to be the opposite from a maturity standpoint. And uh, But by the way, great life lesson there uh, for you know all the listeners out there who are working or who are doing whatever they're doing. Um, you know, Kevin wanted this job in, with the Giants. I imagine I haven't talked to him really about that, but you know, he wanted to go to the, be Pat Shermer's offensive coordinator, move up from again, move up from quarterbacks coach to coordinator, and he had that climb. He doesn't get the job; he can't control it. It's like one of those things, like you can't control. Mm-hmm. So rather than being a complainer or being like, ah, I'm going to be sort of the the, you know, I got sort of screwed over, so I'm going to be like not a, you know, a great sort of teammate type of thing. He just goes back to work. He doesn't complain. You never hear anything really about it after that. It goes away, uh, and then just is patient and controls what he can control, uh, and uh, you know, slowly works his way back up and gets that coordinator job at the end of that season and then, then this past season. And now he's a head coach in a better situation. He's not a head coach if he was the 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 Giants uh, uh, coordinator the last couple oh of no years. question I'm, about it right I'm fairly yep. sure I mean yep. unless somehow he magically would have changed everything nope. it still would have been <laughs> it, it still would have been the thing is it still would have been Pat Shermer really the coordinator yeah. and yep. Kevin quasi coordinator like yep. we all know that deal um, so even if they would have done well it wouldn't have been necessarily because of Kevin it would be because of Pat right so this situation defensive head coach he really was the head coach of the offense and I know when he got this job this last year. Uh, when Gary Kubiak got hired, uh, and then he hired Rick Dennison uh, and a couple other uh, guys, and Clint Kubiak, who he said that he wanted to hire anyway because Clint Kubiak had been here before as a quality control mm-hmm. coach. Yeah, that's right. And he literally said, I want to hire Clint anyway because they got along so well. And that the style, when he became coordinator really for the first time, he told me, he goes, I always wanted to run the sort of that zone play action bootleg style because it's consistently good 
quarterbacks consistently play well in it. It wins a lot of football games. Um, it, it makes the most of your running backs. It you know helps out the old line to not pass protecting all the time. And I he really thought that system was what he wanted to run, but he'd never really been in it. You know, I mean. Football, it, football coaching a lot of times is like trying to copy what other teams are doing. They're doing something different, and really, really well. And like you know, yeah, everyone like to have what the Saints are doing or what uh, you know that the Chiefs are doing right now. But so everyone tries to go and try to copy all these things. Well, unless you have actual firsthand knowledge in the aspect of like a Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison, like decades of firsthand knowledge of why they run the ball this way and what are their calls and what's their technique and all these little details you just don't know them as well and so when he got the job for those guys to come in also got hired i think he was i I tell you straight i talked he was ecstatic Mm -hmm. he was ecstatic when he had a chance to actually have like the teacher of the offense that he wanted i mean it was a perfect scenario for him and i thought he did a really good job him and gary kubiak two guys without big egos working together to make this thing go as far as it can go, and I thought they did a fantastic job well, this year. Well, and uh, when he goes to Cleveland, he'll have to work with a lot of other people as well. So if you're one of those people who wants to control everything and do it exactly your way, which I'm not saying for sure that was John Filippo, but I might be saying that, um, then uh, you know usually it doesn't work out quite the same for you. All right, let's circle back uh, to the Vikings and something that Mike Zimmer said um, that this guy's name always comes up in every end-of-year press conference, but this time particular interesting about Zimmer talking about talking with Bill Parcells. I was on the phone with uh, Coach Parcells for an hour this morning about, um, you know, talking about trying to get over the hump of, you know, we've been to the conference championship, we've been to the division, divisional game, we've been a wild card, wild card game where we lost by a field goal, <clears throat> you know, and just try to figure out, um, you know, how do we get over this hump of getting to the next level and, and eventually winning this thing. It's a great question, and I would have paid $1,000 to hear Bill Parcells' answer. I mean, I, I would have absolutely loved it, because we're going to spend... That's like a Sage, third of your salary. Cut him off. Just <laughs> just pot him down. Go back to doing whatever you're doing in Omaha. Stop it. But for you, that'd still be worth it, Come though. On. That's the Come thing. On. I mean, to you hear Parcells that. has to say for <laughs> I played in the NFL. I made millions of dollars. Oh, come on. Good for you, Sage. Don't don't give me all that. Hey, you were out in San Francisco this last week. I was very jealous of that. It was uh, like five degrees in Omaha. Yeah. And I'm seeing you you out in in the Bay Area. It looked pretty nice. I walked from my hotel to the stadium. It was like a half an hour walk, and it was amazing. 60 degrees and everything else, and I ate at Subway on the way. The rich man's meal. Um, So, So, so by the way, you know what I'm... Who knows what that conversation is, right, with with Zimmer and, and Parcells, but... I mean, am I crazy to think the Vikings should look into drafting a quarterback in the first round this year? Not at all. Not at all crazy, not even slightly. And, uh, and if, 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 if it's you, do you draft a guy who has the more with more athleticism and the ability to be more creative, uh, and then you spend a, a year or maybe even two learning from like the executor, and then you know after you learn the, those basic skills, then you go, okay, now you have that ability to create and you have the ability to do things that Kirk can't do. Maybe that's, you know, we, we as you grow that quarterback, turn him into both an executor and a playmaker. You know, he'd have a year to, I said, like, you know, watch a guy who's got good footwork and good timing and good accuracy and those things. But naturally his God-given abilities would allow him to sort of 
bring this franchise to another level. I, I'd be very interested in something like that. So here's the way that I lay out this debate in my mind that we're going to have all year long uh, in the offseason about whether they should draft a quarterback here. I mean, first of all, there's the Kansas City model. And, and not only that, but the New England model. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo to replace Tom Brady. Brady just kept defying time because he's an alien and winning. So they had to eventually move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and get a draft pick back from him. But it was their plan, too. They were still in their winning window, and they drafted a second-round quarterback who was supposed to take over for Tom Brady. And also, of course, the all-time example is Aaron Rodgers being drafted behind Favre. So this is not uncommon at all. But with Kirk Cousins, I look at it this way, that you're going to have 7-9, and nine, you're going to have 8-8, eight and eight, and you're going to have your seasons where it's better than that, where things go right, and you have great players playing really well, and you have health, and you have some luck, and everything else. And this, in my mind, was one of those years where everything lined up with the system, the play caller, the running back. He was healthy most of the year. And you sort of circle those peaks. If it was a chart that you'd have your, your little downs, your little ups with Kirk, your 7 and 9, your 8 and 8s, and then you have a little spike. And that's your chance. Those are your chances to potentially win the Super Bowl. And if you sign Cousins to a five-year contract extension, you might get one or two spikes. If you draft another quarterback and develop them, you might be horrible. And it might blow up in your face and it just might be the biggest disaster. Brandon Whedon or Jamarcus Russell or Brady Quinn or whoever else might show up here. Or Christian Ponder would be the obvious example. And it might ruin your franchise. Or... It might be a guy who develops into, like you said, someone who's a special type of athlete. And most of the quarterbacks who are coming out now are. I mean, even Joe Burrow moves around really well. And Tua, assuming that his hip turns out to be all right and fully heals, he can move around really well and make plays. And then, you know, next year, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence next year, but I mean, my God, like, look at him take off and run for 60 yards. So I think that almost all the quarterbacks that are going to be out there. Yeah, that's right. Justin Fields will be coming next year. Probably both both trained by my good friend Ron Veal, a, a part of my quarterback collective group in the Atlanta area. He has been training those guys since, like, middle school or something. Something. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and next year they're both going to be, I imagine, you know, top ten draft picks. So if you're looking at this year's crop, there aren't many great quarterbacks outside of the top two, but we say that all the time, and sometimes second rounders turn out to be very good quarterbacks. But but the, there is the potential that it falls apart entirely. This plan to transition from Kirk to the next guy, but I also think that the possibility exists that you do have someone who's more dynamic who can make up for some of your issues that you would be looking at a more athletic quarterback and someone who maybe has some questions about accuracy or something like that but has a playmaking ability so you draft them in the second round and then plan to develop or you draft them in the first round and plan to develop them because obviously you don't have a a top three pick so two is probably not going to be your guy I think a lot of people take the mystery box as opposed to knowing that with Kirk Cousins, you're going to have a lot of seasons basically like he's had in his NFL career so far. So the real question is, though, is as we talk about Kirk and like, you know, it's, are they, will they replace him at some point or something that is more athletic? Um, that's what's so interesting about NFL stats, isn't it? Where you have like, you know, he's the fourth best quarterback in the league and statistics here and touchdown to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And the question is, like, is he making his team better, his offense better? I mean, you yeah. watch so you watch those games yesterday. You watch that Seattle and, and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson going back-to-back, and it's like, man, these guys are making things happen yep. time and time again. 
and raising the level of the play of, of the of the players around them, and the Vikings don't get that. So there's, there's a, sometimes it just sort of feels like there's a ceiling there, unless you have just a completely dominant, you know, Trent Dilfer Ravens scenario where teams just your your team is just so good, you just overwhelm the other team, and and that's really really hard. Uh, to do and, and and that's not that's not how the Vikings are going to win a Super Bowl. So um, yeah, who knows what uh, what that scenario is? I like you know Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay because he fell in the draft, right? I mean yep. the Packers had yep. no interest in moving up to fifteen and getting him and thinking, oh this guy's you know this guy's gonna be one of the greatest of all time. You'd think you'd move up in the draft. They didn't really realize what they had going here. They had him probably as a mid first round pick or something. They really liked him, but not enough to actually give up much draft cap capital to go and get him and then he ends up being one of the great quarterbacks of all time so you know if they have a pick which is going to be you probably know the numbers are going to be like 20 25 25 so if some player they really love drops to 25 um sure will that happen i don't know i mean there are some interesting quarterbacks in this mix most quarterbacks now are are really good athletes these college guys now uh with all the spread stuff so you don't have a lot of pocket passers and so you know, could Tua or somebody that they just love fall that far? Um, and, you know, who, who knows what happened. But it's not going to be a guy like Jake Fromm, who's I just see sort of as a, a pocket passer. Uh, and, you know, they're not going to be able to get, uh, you know, I don't think they'll be able to get you know, Joe Burrow, who's going to be right at the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. And Justin Herbert is an interesting guy. Everyone loves him because he's 6'6", 225, and he's fast. I'm, and I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a fan. He just seems, seems to, like, throw a lot of fastballs, you know, <laughs> like, to, like he looks yep. – he looks everything that Carson Palmer is, but with a be a bit of better athlete. But I, I'm not seeing it. You know, I'm just not seeing. Uh, you know that that he could be a great quarterback. He's one of those guys. I think somebody will draft too high and not be yes, a great player. Totally but yeah, agree. I, but I guess they'll we'll be see. wowed by his hand size, which is how you got drafted. So you can't be sad about it. Hey, but. it's the way it works. I'll take it. I'm glad. I'm glad they're not. I'm glad they're they're not. Uh, they were drafting pocket passers back then, who had a low athleticism, athleticism for some upside. So um, yeah, we'll I, I, we'll see what the what the Vikings. You know, if, if one of these guys falls to to 25th, uh, you know, Jacob Eason or. Uh, or there's a kid from Wake Forest that people like, Jamie Newman. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some players there, but we'll see how much the Vikings, you know, fall in love with these guys in this pre-draft process. Yeah, I think that's the number one by far conversation of the offseason is do you lock in Kirk or do you try to draft somebody else and move on and use all that cap space, which is the biggest thing that you have to remember about it is that you'll be able to spend around that person like crazy. So uh, The question is, what do you think that ceiling is with him? Like, is it possible for this team to win a Super yeah. Bowl with Kirk Cousins, or does it just sort of seem like it's going to be a lot of 10-6s and 9-7s and, and, and maybe a playoff win, and that's just sort of the ceiling? And if that's it, you know, you play to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's just the deal. You play to win the Super Bowl, and sometimes you go for broke a little bit, and you end up going five and eleven. And you go, ah, well, last we could have been ten and six with the, other, but can, could they ever be one of those teams that's fourteen and two with this quarterback? Yeah. I don't see it. Well, I, I haven't seen it in two years. So that's the thing is that I felt like this year they had the talent and they had the coaching to be one of those teams, and the fact that they weren't, well, I mean, that might tell you the answer. They had the health, the coaching. The quarterback play in terms of your statistics, but not showing up when you needed for him to show up most outside of one playoff game in New Orleans at the end of the game. But 
they he put them in a situation by no showing in Chicago, Kansas City, and Green Bay twice. Put them in a situation to have to go the hardest road. And I think that's where you're going to be pretty often if he's your quarterback. And then you, you've got to pull off something magical in the playoffs, which is just too much to ask, honestly. By the way, so. I, I do see the Vikings, if they were a one or two seed, you know, they, they were 13 and three or 12 and two, and they were playing San Francisco at home this past weekend, I think they win. Totally agree. I, I yep, think they totally win. Agree. I, I think the Vikings at home, it's it's a touchdown difference or so. I, and then having the bye week and those types of things, uh, I think they win at home. Yep. I mean, I, they didn't they didn't get blown out in that game. I know it was a 17-point game or whatever it was, but it was not a blowout. It was very competitive. It came down to some plays here and there, and, and there's a turnover here and there, and obviously the you know the, 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 there's a drop punt and all those different things. I mean, this was not... You know, the 49ers are, I know they're the one seed, but this was not like just they were dominating everybody. Uh, they just sort of ground out, you know, their, their 13 wins and, and won a playoff game with their quarterback thrown for about 100 yards. All right, Sage, you and I will get together again on Wednesday. This is still happening, right? Um, still going okay. on, uh, as far <laughs> as I can tell. Sure. <laughs> and I think I'm going to try to go over to the Combine uh, in, in yes, the Yes, and I months. will get a flight there this time and not get stuck on the uh, tarmac like I did there's before. All sor- not there's all it. sorts of things uh, we can talk about. There's uh, you know, there's the NFL PA game coming up. Uh, they're practicing this week in the East-West Shrine. Then next week's the Senior Bowl. That should be interesting. I uh, got the, this Washington State quarterback, Anthony Gordon, playing the Senior Bowl uh, that I was working with uh, last week in Colorado. So, uh, you know, the, the, the NFL doesn't stop, and these playoff games are going to be great. And, and of course, uh, you know, Packers, 49ers, um, LaFleur and Shanahan, uh, that, that should be a lot of fun to watch, too. All right. Well, I am excited to get going on our offseason conversations. I know that everyone is excited to get your thoughts as well. So we'll be doing it here on Purple Daily. Sage, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Sounds great. All right, uh, Judd Zolgad comes in next. He wrote, as Zolgad will, the biggest questions of the offense, uh, I'm sorry, of the offseason for the Vikings. So I'm going to go through those with Judd when we return. Purple.